Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Frank is my fiance. Let me introduce our guest. Her name is Debbie Wise. And Debbie Wise turned to writing in 2013 when she lost her partner and high school sweetheart of 32 years. She's an award-winning author. She has just written a memoir, as is a midlife widow's search for love about creating a new life and finding hope after widowhood. Her writing's been published in the New York Times Modern Love column. And if you haven't read that, it is an absolutely delightful column. And she's published for the Huffington Post. She is a former lawyer. And in 2020, at the age of 56, she started writing. I want to introduce my partner here in crime. His name's Dr. Frank Powers, psychologist of many years, uh, working in the Phoenix area. We're going to talk about finding hope after widowhood, because I know a lot of you that are listening to the show are thinking about your widowhood, you've had a loss, and maybe moving a little along a little bit and wondering about what you're going to do with your life, finding hope, right, Debbie? Well, welcome to the show, Debbie. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. You know, I was uh, listening to some of your podcasting and I, <laughs> some of your uh, shows, and I love the way you talk to guys about dating <laughs> and about widows. Your husband has been gone for what, nine years? Is that correct? Yeah, about a little over 10. Um, well, first of all, my book is Available As Is. So it's called Available As Is. It's like real estate. Frank and I talk about the fact that when you're filling out a profile, you need to say, this is what I want. Oh, yeah. Are as is, because when you're younger, you're, yeah, you're not to... you're not trying anymore to impress and get as many respondents as possible. You want the right respondents. You want to waste time. So, want... agree completely. <laughs> so tell us about your trajectory. What have you done since your hubby died? What was his name? His name was George. George, since we lost George. And as I said, my husband, Phil, passed away three years ago. So I'm fairly new in the widow world, but I didn't end up there very long. She didn't waste time. I was going to write a book on widows and I decided I had to put a, I got ghosted by somebody who oh. I was dating. <laughs> Frank Glass, when I say ghosted <laughs> for the seniors. Yeah. It's a very hip term. Generation X. <laughs> anyway, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't email with me anymore. And I was going to write a book on widows, and um, I decided I had to do a chapter on online because this guy had told me that he'd been very successful online. I went online, and the second person I met in Arizona where I was staying with my sister was Frank. Wow. Who, yeah, it was kind of a, an amazing story. So I'm all big on online. Now, tell us what you've been doing since George passed away, and what's your trajectory? Well, I, I lost George in 2013, and we led pretty isolated lives, so I needed to kind of figure things out. I'm a retired lawyer. I'd retired um, at 40 in 2001, so um, I hadn't practiced for 10 years. I don't have any kids, and I was thinking, well, what am I going to do? 
So I did a bunch of different things, yoga, and um, started writing and joined some writing classes, which led to my getting a master's degree in writing in 2020. I was 56. And I did a book. Um, I put my book together and worked for the great editor. And that came out um, last year, 2022. I've actually been partnered for five years. And I moved in with my second person into a new home in a new community a little over two years ago. Um, I, before I'd been in the home, I lived with my husband. So yeah, so I dated for about four years and online, mostly online. I met people and um, it was pretty slim pickings. (laughs) Now, where did you meet your guy that you're with? Online. Oh, (laughs) you did? That's okay. So it was successful. Ultimately, it was successful. But, but you know, when you say slim pickings, I think one of the important things to remember for everybody is we're only looking for one person. You're right. No, you're right. You just need the what you just need the right person. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. When you go online, I've noticed with people, they kind of change. You know, they dress a little better. They look around when they get in a restaurant to see who's there. They kind of tell their brain their different dating. mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes Frank and I have seen that they'll find people at class reunions and stuff because suddenly people know they're dating, which is kind of cool. So not everything's online, but online is where most of the action is, right? I found it to be so because you you just, it really, I do think it's a bit of a numbers game. People say yes and no on that, but I do think, you know, it it helps to be able to meet a great many number of people. Now, the other place I've met some nice men, none for me, but really good people were hiking groups. I'm a big hiker. And that's helpful because you meet people in a natural, undating, unfake setting, and they're just being themselves. But you don't meet, you know, the the number of people you're going to meet if you're online. The fellow I'm with is somebody I'd never would meet. We met. We live a half hour apart. I'm kind of a geeky writer. He's a professional ski instructor, very athletic. <laughs> when I first met him, I thought, yeah, this is this is a couple lunches if we're lucky. Um, we did bond over grief because he'd lost his mother fairly recently when we met and, you know, I'd lost my husband. Um, and that was great, but we never would have met otherwise, but it turned out that even though we're so different, our values were kind of aligned Yeah, mm-hmm. and we really hit it off, which surprised me. So that's the one thing is that element of people you never would have met otherwise. Definitely. Yeah. Don't you think that the values issue is a pretty big one for compatibility? I think it's almost everything or it's certainly your baseline. I mean, first, you know, it sounds shallow, but, you know, attraction. Do you like this person when you meet them? You know, are you thinking, hey, this is great or I need to leave now? You know, and there's a lot of dishonesty with photos and all. But I think the values are super important because, you know, so many people, you know, I wanted a commitment. I knew that's what I wanted. Ultimately, you know, I wanted to have for a while. I was going to date a little, have some fun. Um, so I'd married my high school sweetheart. So I never did the things people did in college. I never dated in college. I was very committed um, both to my husband and to becoming a lawyer. So I was a real fun person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that reminds me of something. Frank and I both said that we would not have married each other originally. Oh, we met so, in, in our 30s. We would never. not have been compatible at all. We did yeah. change. Yes. Yeah. But as time goes on, you're looking, I love what you said about commitment, because I think that's one thing that's really different about seniors is we really do want commitment. 
too. I think so for the most part. Now, um, I was dating when I was 50 to 55. And I met a lot of guys, you know, in that age range. I'm a little bit older than I am. And some of them really didn't seem to want commitment. They seemed to want to relive their youth. I don't understand <laughs> how a, how an almost 60-year-old man thinks he's going to live like a 20-year-old, but that did seem to be something that people were well, into. There, there is the midlife crisis. A at 50, really, in a sense, are afraid of losing their virility, and so they're a little bit more like 20-year-olds again. I saw a lot of that. Um, <laughs> it was pretty unappealing. Um, you know, I, I personally had my mid my, my midlife crisis in my late 30s. I did get a sports car. <laughs> I stayed happily married. But, you know, my, my job was kind of killing me. I'm not a corporate lawyer kind of person. <laughs> but yeah. it was but it was interesting to see these guys who were real immature. And I think what was helpful was to saying, I want commitment, putting that in my profile and just basically that's very smart. And I think it's really great advice for people to be careful about what you put in your profile and make sure you put in the fact that you do not want these 20-year-olds that are in 50-year-old bodies. Yeah, worst combination. Yes, yes. definitely. <laughs> Deadly. <laughs> what, what You mentioned age. Let's talk about age. What did you find? I, I, I have so many women tell me that, you know, they have all these people that are 10 and 15 years older than they are, you know, wanting to date. Wanting to date. Yeah, I did find some older men. I did get some people in my age range. The thing that surprised me the most was a lot of men, they're looking for fit women, slim women. And, you know, when I was dating and all, uh, I was fit. I, you know, I'm a big hiker. I'm a big yogi. And I would see a lot of men who really expected women to meet standards that they themselves did not meet. Oh, you, you're really touching on something big. That is really true. Men are looking for things that they're not willing to give. But, but, yeah. but tell her why. Frank has a theory about why men are doing this. One of the things that I found in my practice, and, it, and I, I think it's generalizable, is that men are really wanting to have a woman in their life that impress other men more than sometimes the interest in the woman. They want status with other men. So the woman that's on their arm is probably more important in terms of how she looks or how she might appeal to other people than what's inside her. And I think it's a huge mistake on the part of men to do that. I agree. I, and I, I agree with you. I think that is a problem. Um, you know, that this sense of trying to kind of get somebody who's sort of an aspirational dater, you know, I think we date, you know, kind of looking for sort of the fantasy. And I think it's also that, you know, there's so many choices, we see ourselves reflected in the people we date. And sometimes what we see reflected isn't what really matters. You know, when I, as an example, I mean, I have a, I'm a lawyer, my dad's and is a scientist. And when I was dating initially, I was looking for people with very high professional kinds of profiles because I wanted somebody who was very objectively successful. And I realized later it was because I didn't feel successful. Oh, yes. I needed somebody who was- a deficit. And I think that's what men are doing. Yes. That's, yeah. So I was kind of doing that professionally. And then, I, and then I realized that, you know, just because this guy is objectively successful doesn't mean he's going to be a good companion or a giving person. 
some of the people that we've worked with, I will, will help you fill out your profile. One woman in particular is 70. He has to be six feet tall <laughs> and very successful in business. Yes. You know, and it's like, I said, well, what if he was five, eight and a school teacher, a retired school teacher? Would that be okay? No, no. I mean, this, this attitude to start with that you're going to pick this ideal guy from... And your point about it may be to make up for deficits in yourself, not necessarily. Project onto the person, well, I want them to be something I'm not. I, I think we see a lot of that. Because, you know, I actually do see... I live in a small town that has a lot of older folk. And I see a lot of people who've met up later in life and are couples. And they're not stunning people. They're normal-looking people for their age. And they have normal kinds of jobs. I think they've just been more open and they're just more lovely as people because they're usually radiant and they're smiling and they found each other and later in life. I know my partner and I are so grateful we found each other later yeah. in life. So time's a big deal for us. And you see just people like that and it exists, but it isn't the aspirational golden bachelor stuff. I watched the intro for that and I almost barfed. Funny you should mention uh, that we've been doing some work with the golden bachelor. <laughs> we, and we feel the same way you do. We do, we do some show assessment, but it's fun. Uh, but you know, I'll say one thing about the golden bachelor and Frank and I have said this, it's really great to see them having older people, even though, you know, they picked, you know, it does Open it. cherry picking, yes. We've got this huge <laughs> cohort coming in now. Um, why don't you talk the post war baby boom and the fact that we're all living 30 years older than we did in 1900 makes a huge number of people in this cohort that now are in, getting into that senior, senior place where you know you have lost a, a spouse through either death or divorce. And you're alone you're and you're lonely. healthy and you don't want to necessarily be alone for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've got a long time to go. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think the biggest deterrent to women is about dating and going online? At the first level, what you have is a level of scamminess and sleaziness that isn't appropriate. You've got fake profiles. You've got people mm -hmm. who lie about being married. You wouldn't believe I've certainly gotten contacted by several secret agents who aren't really going to have much time but we might be able to meet up in between missions you know <laughs> you've got fake photographs love it love it you know it's just so there's there's the, there's that true garbage level once you get past that and you start to meet a few people dating's fun let's put it out there it's fun yes. it's hard it takes time it also you increases your longevity because yeah. you get interested in life rather than yeah. wanting to leave. I mean, I, there are a lot of, you know, roadblocks and, but mm -hmm. Frank and I um, suggest Debbie that people find a dating buddy, somebody who can support them on their dates and, you know, who they can call and after. They can and, laugh with and feels yeah. sad when someone didn't turn out to be who they are or what yeah. they think. So that's are. a great idea. Yeah, so you don't feel lonely. So it's a journey you're doing with a friend. And make it fun. Make it fun. The make other thing that I want to say to people is that um, if you've been had unsuccessful dating online, you know, don't be afraid to go try it again. And exactly. consider yourself, you're becoming a better consumer. You're learning. Take it to as a learning a experience. <laughs> 
So tell us where people can get your book and your website. My website is Debbie Weiss Author. My book is on Amazon and available at local bookstores. It recently won an award in, in a grief category, which Yay. I'm really excited about. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, it's available as is. And let's see what else. It's about, it is about dating after a 32-year relationship, but it was really about finding my voice and finding myself. And, you know, the best advice I can give, because I wasn't there when my husband died, was to find yourself before you find your person. Because sometimes when we have a loss, you know, you wow, have that's to very important. Yeah. Be, be, find yourself again, and then from there, find someone else. So my book is dating, but it's really about, about finding yourself as an individual after loss. I love great, it. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Debbie. You're a delight. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on this show today. And Frank and I want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.